And welcome to the One Shot Podcast. Uh, boys, we may have found the most rad. Rad. Yes. You brought that word back. Yeah. Rad, huh? I'm talking to your people back in the 80s. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Rad. I haven't yeah, heard yeah. that in a long time. So I, I think of a couple of guests that we've had on in the past that are world travelers, adventurers. I, I think none today may speak to that, though, better than our guest, Gwilym Pugh, who is a Welsh adventurer, uh-huh. model, documentarian, and lifestyle content creator. Boys, I don't know if there's a cooler That's the most interesting, job most interesting man yeah. than yeah. any of that. Yeah, so I'd love to start this uh, this conversation off. If Gwilym, if you could just start off telling us what it was like to star in Braveheart, be the lead <laughs> character next to Mel Gibson, um, that would be, I mean, with the name Gwilym yep. and then the beard yep. like that, I mean, what better than to be one of the lead Scots? Well, you know, it kind of runs in the blood, so yeah. it didn't really take much rehearsing. It just comes naturally. Yeah. <laughs> you and Tyler, I feel yeah, like I'm looking yeah, at you. Yeah. You and me both, I brother. I, I had to shave for Halloween over here, but yeah. uh, otherwise we'd be yeah. looking very similar. Well, thanks for coming on, Gwilym. And, and like we prepped you a little bit before the show, we want to know your story, man. We want to go through uh, what led you to being a content creator, mm-hmm. adventurer, model, all that good stuff. Because uh, I know you didn't come out the womb that way. And in fact, you've got a pretty incredible <laughs> uh, transformation story of what you, you know, where you once were to where you are now. So take us to the beginning where you were born, obviously in Wales, but take us back to the beginning, what, what family life was like, and, and t- tell us about that. Yeah, so my family life was, I, I say it's remarkably unremarkable. Um, I grew up in a medium-sized city, um, had a, a kind of regular family life, and went through school. Uh, I actually started, I was, I was never particularly physically gifted, but I started playing basketball when I was mm. 13, 14. So I'm six foot four. I stopped growing when I was 16. So I was like oh, wow, six wow. foot one, six foot two when I was 14, was trained as a center. And this is kind of where my like physical transformation roller coaster, more than a transformation, I guess, started. So within a year or so, I was playing for Wales. You know, we're not known for our basketball, but it was, it was my thing. And I played for a few years internationally. And then I had some knee problems, um, which were kind of, they went undiagnosed. And I actually had a place in Stanford in a summer camp in Stanford University mm. lined up to come out to the States. Um, but the knee problems took over and that put me out. And, you know, the, the healthcare system in uh, Britain is a little bit different. We get it for free, but we have to wait. Mm. So I had to wait six months for an MRI. And then another six to nine months for a consultation after that. Oh and then gosh. I went through surgery when I was uh, either 18 or 19, my first set of surgery on my knees. Uh, and by that point, as you well know, if you if you lose a year's kind of 17 to 19 in athletics, you're, kind of, you're done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was like the first time life came and slapped me in the face. Um, and that was hard. That was really hard. That was my identity. That was what I, I thought that I'd be doing. But it was a blessing in disguise because I stopped growing. And I think people saw me and they thought I was going to be like six foot seven, six foot eight, six foot nine, and just keep going. That didn't happen. So, you know, I think it was 
It's for the best at that point. Did you yeah. feel a little, like you were a little left out? Because, every, you know, you're in a, a place where football, like the real football, so, we call it soccer here. Yeah, you know, is right. king. Yeah, Ga- Gareth Bale. <laughs> yeah. Gareth, Gareth Bale's yeah, what I think of when I think of Wales. Yeah. Gareth Bales went, uh, he went to the high school uh, just up the road from where yeah. he lived mm-hmm. in Cardiff. Yeah. yeah. Continue, so this yeah. is how small Wales is. Like, yeah. If you have uh, an, a famous athlete, we probably knew each other. <laughs> yeah. So you didn't. So what was that like knowing that, you know, football was king there and, and here you are. And, what, what year, and how old were you when you started playing basketball? I was like 13, 14. Okay. So when you started teens, playing? It was, it was a very flash, fly by night kind mm-hmm. of basketball career. I started playing at 13, 14. I was retired by 17. Oh, wow. Um, but I played internationally okay. within two years of playing. Um, toured. Uh, I could have played for England, but I wasn't good enough. So I played mm. for Wales, which, uh, <laughs> which worked out. Um, but my, my coach actually was a guy from, uh, he was drafted by Sacramento and he moved over to, to Wales with family and he's, was coaching basketball then. Awesome. So I had a, a real like ties to the States and he lined up this place at the, the summer camp. I can't remember the details, but it was looking, it was looking good. It was looking hopeful. Um, but yeah, knees started giving way. There wasn't an injury per se. It was just a, a, a thing started to happen. Mm. And that then led me kind of through my working career I, I started training more and you know doing the gym bro thing of just working on the upper body because my legs were mm-hmm. fragile at best mm-hmm. um and then i started getting injuries in other parts of my body mm-hmm. in my shoulder in my chest or whatever and then i went through this phase of training getting injured training getting injured and at some point i i kind of it it caught up with me and my sedentary lifestyle at that point caught up with me. And at that point, I was working in an office. So straight from school, age 19, I went into my first, age 18 or 19, I went into my first sales office job. Worst job in the world. It was cold calling people, selling them gas and electricity <laughs> contracts. Mm. It's cruel and unusual punishment. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. But... If something's going to prepare you for life, it's cold calling sales. Yeah, hundred percent. I think every yeah. every eighteen or nineteen year old needs to, to go do through that, that. Yes, because yeah. you get humbled very, very quickly. <laughs> very, very quickly. Three hundred calls a day. Um, oh. But then I I started working in consumer finance in mortgages, mm. and this is a, a another story. So. I was doing well. I've always been mathematically quite gifted. Numbers numbers come easier to me than words. So I did very well at that. And six months, within six months, I'd set up my own mortgage company. Now, this was 18 months before the credit crisis hit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd set up my uh, company. We were the second fastest, second or fourth fastest growing company in Wales in our first year. Again, little country, but still. Mm-hmm. It was good. Um, and within nine months, Lehman Brothers were our biggest income provider. Oh, and then bitch slap, I don't know, <laughs> second bitch slap of life came. We lost, I remember the phone call. It was 7 p.m. Office was closed. It was just packing up, going home. Got the phone call. Lehman Brothers have gone. All your business is gone. 60% of our income wow. gone overnight. Right. I was 21 at the time. So 
I was like, I don't know if you've seen the movie The Big Short. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's a scene in there with these two cocky mortgage brokers. Down in Miami, right? Think they know everything. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was, I was one of them. You know, I thought, oh. I thought I knew everything. I thought I had all the answers. Mm. I thought this was never ending. And life came up and um, oh, told me a different story. So, so, so was, up to this point, there's two, right? You get injured, you hurt your knees. And I want to, yeah. I want to ask a question about that is because yeah. of the healthcare system that you grew up with, did you, mm. once you like realized, Hey, look, I've got to go through this process. Did you immediately know that this was over or was it like, Hey, I'm going to still fight. I'm going to still try to get in, try to get recovery. I'm, I'm going to kind of fight here. Or was it like, look, there's no chance just because of the system. It was pretty much, there's no chance. Yeah. And because it wasn't an impact injury, got there it. was a very, it was, it was a really, uh, which I'll get onto later, but the diagnostic process was uh, challenging. And fast forwarding, I've had surgery three times on my knees mm. now. Yeah. And probably turns out I would have been better off not having surgery. Mm. Oh, wow. wow. Um, and if I'd had the correct attention back then, mm-hmm. I probably could have been healed and better within two to three months. Oh, oh man, that's something. Um, yeah. But, you know, no, this was... Shit. this was 20, 20 something years ago, 20, 23, 24 yeah. years ago. So, yeah. you know, the, the whole fitness landscape totally has different. changed. Totally different. Like, yeah. it's a different world. Yeah. How are you? Oh, sorry, Gata. No, I was just going to ask the second question. question. Go ahead. Thank you. Good. Thank Good. You, Good. Second question. Look at me getting Great. selfish over here. So, so identity's wrapped up in basketball because that came on quick and yeah. it sounded like you got a yeah. lot of attention on it. It's like, dude, I'm the dude. Mm-hmm. Then you get into mm-hmm. mortgages. Right. And now you're crushing it, yeah. killing it, getting, yeah. getting notoriety within the country. Like, Hey, yeah. fastest growing company, the dudes, the next, mm-hmm. you know, and that gets taken away. So how do you yeah. handle that at that point? I mean, when it's like, Hey, Lehman brothers no longer exists. They said, peace out. What it now, where, where are you left to go? Did you, and let me ask, was your passion in mortgages? I know you say you like numbers, or was it you just liked making, being able to make some money at, at a fairly young age? Yeah, it, it was mostly that. I like being good at something. Mm-hmm. You know, I like I like feeling like I was naturally talented, naturally gifted. But that's a uh, that's a bit of a trap, right? Yeah. Because that lulls you into a false sense of security. Yes, and then life right. happens, which couldn't be a better teacher. Yes. So yeah, my identity was wrapped up in that. And because I was so young, I didn't know any different. I'd never really done much different apart from a few sales jobs. So um, I hung on tooth and nail to that company for a period of uh, another three years. We kept mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. just a slow decline over this period of time until it got to the point where I sold my shareholding in that company back to the majority shareholders who helped originate it for nothing. Oh, wow. So at that point, I'd sold the company for nothing. Uh, I had pretty much lost. I hadn't gone bankrupt, but I was like one step below that. I was just hanging on to like everything I had. I'd lost, you know, this disposable income. I'd lost my identity. All the meantime, a lot of my friends were going to university. Mm-hmm. So my friendship group was slowly shrinking. I'd put the best, the not the best, um, but the earliest years of my 20s into this. And 
that combined with the injuries from training really led me to pile on the weight and just seek comfort in food. Yeah. Uh, I think that was that was my my vice and my addiction. That's still you know it's still something I've got to think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it could have been you know I'm I'm grateful I'm very lucky. It could have been something far more destructive that I couldn't fix mm-hmm. in the time span or in the way that I have. Mm-hmm. But yeah, where was uh where was family in this time? What role did they play through these ups and downs? I've, um, my family's great. I like my family, but we've never really been a close knit unit. I think I've had this um, ferocious independence from, from a young age. I remember cooking all my own meals and, and doing everything myself from the age of like 12, mm. 11, 12 before high school. So I've always been kind of ferociously independent. I, moved out of my family home before I had left um, education. So by the by the point I told my dad I was moving out, I already had a job and an apartment lined up. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm straight out of here. So I think my family have always been quite confident that I'm just going to be okay. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of led this ferociously. It's either, I don't know if it's a cause or effect, but it's developed this independence, which has been it's allowed me and afforded me to achieve and do amazing things but it's not all good yeah, yeah. it comes with its own baggage yeah, i can you know? just yeah. see the isolation especially after trying to save a company going through some some physical um transformations that just you know with your health going through those mm-hmm. and and I don't know what your support system was outside of that, but that's that isolation that that's lonely. And that seems to only just pour more fuel mm-hmm. onto the fire of whatever, if it's dark, right. It, it becomes even darker. Yeah. You don't want to ask that question. Cause I think Tyler hit on a little bit, but was it ego driven that, and I know you were very, uh, you know, basically you, you've been out on your own for a while. So you're very independent, but was it ego driven? Was it money driven? What was it that, that kept you pushing for the next three years? knowing that the business was de- declining. It was not knowing any different. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't, at that point I was kind of broken to the point where I didn't, I, I could only allow myself to see a recovery yeah. because anything else would be a, a truth that I didn't want to face. Yeah. So I think it was a, a case of having my back to a wall and just keep going. Yeah. Well, that, it seems like it applies even sorry no it, can, it, it, it seems like hey, ben, ben, your yeah, life just wait a while man. yeah it's exactly. gonna be a while just so wait can, we, let you we got we got these questions you just go get a drink so because this is very interesting because i want to follow this line because you know you, you go through this you're an independent person and then you go through you know you got your back against the wall but it's just hearing your story for this short a period of time and knowing where you are today it's like the good and the bad right I mean, mm-hmm. the way you're made up is you're not going to, you're, 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 you have this type of mentality that you're not going to stop. You're going to keep on pushing what you can't tell a lot of people. Yeah. But, but I mean, and that's a good thing, even through failure, that is a great, you know, those, that, that's something special that mm-hmm. not most people have because most people will just say, look, I'm not going to go an extra three years. I'm done. And check out, and they go on to do something else and and live a, a miserable life. You kept on this path, 
And even through failure, you said, okay, well, I'm going to go do something else. My back is getting, your back is always against the wall. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Your back, yeah. you're that person that your back is always against the wall. Yeah. Yeah. I think you got that right. That hits, hits home. Um, and I guess sometimes I look at the people who might just say, right, okay, this is over now. Let's go and do something else. I, I look at that with a bit of envy sometimes. And I mm-hmm. think, oh, this is interesting. You know, they're creatively thinking of other, other things. I'm like, this is what I, I know. This is what I've got right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm decide I'm choosing to, to take this path, mm-hmm. this path forward. Yeah, that's a, that, it's a, it's a conundrum to, to handle. And something I think about a lot is, is this not working and I need to pivot or am I just not mm-hmm. giving it enough time? That's, I think the paradox in my mind, a lot mm-hmm. of times is, Hey, it, it's not going yeah. well, but it's not going well. Cause I just haven't given enough time. Or it's not going well because yeah. it's just not going well. Did you have that that mindset at all? Yeah. So there, there was that. There was definitely that mindset. And that was then what triggered the next pivot towards what my current company does. So I also own a life insurance brokerage uh, alongside everything I do now. I set that up 12 well, hold years on. ago. You, you own a life and insurance after- brokerage, but you're an adventurer <laughs> as a profession as well. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about paradox. <laughs> it, it, it makes a lot more sense than you think. Um, yeah, I insure myself. <laughs> so, so that's funny. Like people ask me what started the transformation. So I, I started a life insurance company because it wasn't speculatively based like the mortgage market. Right. So I had that security. I had this situation come and it slapped me out of nowhere. Mm. I was like, right, okay, what industry can I be protected mm. from and identify life insurance? So that is it's kind of a long story, but I managed and I ran a life insurance brokerage for the old people who bought my company for, for nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, I learned how to program. I designed our CRM system. I was managing all the tech and all the money coming in. And I noticed some discrepancies uh, in the accounting and because I only own 10% of the shareholding of the company at the time, there, was, there wasn't much I could do. So I was like, fuck this. Sorry, language. No, no, uh, you're good. I'm, we're good? Okay, yes. we're good. Um, yeah, fuck this. I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> We've watched Green Street and... Hooligans. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go do this on my own. I'm just going to leave, flat out leave and do this on my own. So I left and I set up my current company in my spare bedroom with my business partner who had been kind of moving alongside me in my uh, spare bedroom with two old computers, two phones and a, and a list of telephone numbers. So, so I was back to basics. I was back to that cruel and unusual oh. punishment, calling 200 people every day oh. saying, hi, would you like to review your life insurance? Hi, have you looked at your life insurance? Hi, do you know you're going to die soon? You know, right. <laughs> I would love, I would love <laughs> to hear what you figured out worked. Yeah. Like I know everybody's different, but like, what's the, like the go-to like, all right, Hey, I, me and my buddy, we got a hundred bucks on this call that I make this. What's my go-to on selling life insurance when it's totally cold? You know, the thing is you got to get down to the reasons as to why they have life insurance. So it's like, when was the last time you looked at your life insurance requirements? Mm-hmm. I understand you have a family and you, you have, we, we had an, a certain amount of data. Yeah. So I understand you, you have a, a, a husband and a, or a, a wife and a home. 
when was the last time that you checked the so you're kind of selling on the paranoia i guess yeah, it sounds kind of yeah, bad but yeah, yeah. so and then we're, we're digging into that and we're like just let me have a look at it you know you don't have to do anything softly softly i'm mm-hmm. very un-american in my sales i'm just gonna paint this scenario for you yeah. and allow you to step into it should you wish yeah uh-huh. see mine would um, be hey have you looked at your life insurance <laughs> policy lately oh you have it do you hate your family <laughs> Oh, okay. You, you want you just want to leave them with nothing? Okay, cool. And I'm probably not the person for you. So, I want to take a quick break and thank our partners, Sleep Number, and highlight a couple of things they're doing, guys. These Sleep Number beds are unreal. The technology that they've created, the feedback that it gives you on your sleep. I've got the app opened up right here. They tell you things like your heart rate, your heart rate variability, your breathing rate, all these type uh, metrics and feedback to give you so that you can improve your quality of sleep. They're all over the place. You can go and check yourself out at Sleep Number store wherever you live. Go to sleepnumber.com as well. They've got great resources on there. We just talked about this not too long ago. They have a whole blog section, all these articles, things that you can improve your health. Sleep Number is definitely changing the game when it comes to bedding. So get yourself to Sleep Number. Get yourself to sleepnumber.com and check them out. Now back to the episode. So Darren talked yeah. to Darren talked a little bit about ego earlier. Ego is it, it, mm. again another paradox. It can be good for you, it can be bad. Um, mm. You had built a business before, mm-hmm. and then it's unfortunately mm-hmm. it, it didn't work out. What was that like having mm-hmm. to start over from square one, have to build another business, have to go back to cold calling? <laughs> I, I got to think that was mentally just like a defeating moment. It was, and that leads me on to the next part. That was hard, and then what happened? The shareholders of the company I left then proceeded to file a lawsuit for Mm. theft of intellectual data. So I was three months into running this new company, cold calling, spending all my hours on the phone. And then I get these um, lawyer letters, solicitor letters, cease and desist Uh trading. Give us all of your data. Give us everything. And at that point, so we have to have a license to trade. It's called the Financial Conduct Authority. We have to have permission. And we were in the process of applying for our license to trade. We get these legal, I I don't know what you call them, subpoena or something, like a Uh production request. My, I have never had a feeling like it, but it was like right Mm. punch to the solar plexus, like shit. I am, I've got to deal with this. And I was, that was one of the first situations I realized how effective I could be in a stressful situation ah. because that was a, that was a, that was the ride. I can't go into the details, yeah. <laughs> everything to do with it. But long story short, we had to string, we strung it out and we fought it tooth and nail to the point where the financial conduct authority we presented all of our legal paperwork to them. This used all of my money. I was living off credit cards. We, we had to borrow money from a business partner's father-in-law. You know, I had literally no income because they, they cut that off. Mm. All, all of our business partners to that point cut us off because they contacted them as well. Zero income, commercial lawyer fees adding up. And just this feeling of like emergency every day for, for three months until the FCA, they 
in receipt of all of our paperwork about the lawsuit, they finally granted our license to trade. Mm. And at that point, I was just like, fuck yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not replying to anything more. I, I am done. Right. And because we probably could have done that to start with, but because we have to have, to have this yeah. license to trade, which, right. yeah, so that, that was that was another so did they just Another go away episode. after that? Like they, you yeah, just they just them went out. away and they ended up going out of business due to the reasons as to why I left. Surprise, them. surprise. Um, yeah. 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 That was, that was, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, a little, uh, little icing on the cake. I'm sure. It off. Yeah. Basically they, 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 there was nothing they really could do other than threaten us and yeah. withhold our ability to trade. But the moment we had that authority, yeah, then we were, we were in the clear yeah. as such legally because we hadn't done anything wrong, but we just didn't have the resources to keep yeah, uh, yeah. to keep fighting this indefinitely. How old are so you? A bit of the David and Goliath. How- uh, then I was about 26. Jeez. And that was when I was at my, my unhealthiest mentally and yeah. physically at that point. Because, yeah. you know, trying to survive mentally. Yeah, that's yeah. what I want to talk about because, you know, up to this point, Life had been cursed for you. Not a lot had gone maybe your way up to this point at 26. It, it, had, it had gone well. Right. And then, and then it'd go down. Bad. And then well, and then bad, and then well. Yeah. 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 So it's understandable that, that potentially your health would take a hit. So where were you at 26 health-wise? You, you, you mentioned you'd started taking um, mm. comfort and food at this point. Yeah. So 26, I was, what is it in pounds? Like 280 pounds. Uh, had a 47 inch waist. I was never diagnosed with depression or any serious mental illness, but I never went to the doctor. I never saw anyone about it. Um, and this is the thing I actually put an application for life insurance through for myself. And the price was increased by 50% because Mm. my risk of death during the term of the policy was increased by 50%. And honestly, I trust a life insurance organization more than a doctor. Because they have they they're statistically analyzing yes. these risk metrics. They right? have millions. If they and think I've got of... a chance of dying more, I have that higher chance of dying during the term. And I'm that was a big big wake up call because I was like, shit, I'm degrading here. Uh-huh. I'm aging fast, and if something's got to give, and if it doesn't, I'm going to be seventy years old fat, overweight, not able to move, mm-hmm. cold calling, selling life insurance out of my spare bedroom in a pair of dirty pants and a wife beater, you know, <laughs> wow. that's, that's, yeah. that's not a, a future I was willing to. Right. So willing was to that, accept. was that the catalyst? Because you're obviously a grinder, right? Like bring the challenge on. I'll, I'll fight mm-hmm. the challenge. Like you grind. There's no doubt, but then there, there's a difference between grinding and then flourishing, right? There's yeah. like finding who you are, being happy with yourself, mm-hmm. being healthy, being mm-hmm. active, all of those things that, you know, you now would describe as being healthy. Was that yeah. submitting a life insurance application? Was that the catalyst that sparked it? Where you're like, okay, something's got to change. Or was there something else in your life that you're like, okay, there's something bigger than me just being me how I am right now? Yeah, there was that. And I was a conversation with one of my friends. We were, we were sat on the watching a movie at the time. We we're just talking about relationships uh, and things. And this is, this is kind of shallow, but um, it's true. Uh, and he was like, he is brutal. No holds barred. He's like, dude, 
you've got to lower your standards. Otherwise, you're going to be single forever. I didn't have a relationship through this period, apart from I, I dated a couple of people for short periods of time, but I hadn't had a relationship. And he's like, dude, you got to like, you got to stop going after the girls you're going after because this isn't happening. <laughs> and then I thought, sounds like they're in the best, okay, so That's the best man. That is so the true. best. That's the best friend you could ever have. I know, I know. And I was, I was thinking, I was like. No, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> what can I do? What can I control? Ah, why don't I level up? Why don't I improve my mm. life? Mm. Right. That combined with an increased risk of death. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just that. Yeah. Yeah. Minor detail. You know, this is just like a, a minor detail. Uh, it, yeah, that, that really helped switch me on. And through the period where I was training in my early 20s and kind of doing the gym bro thing, I was interested in nutrition. I had studied a little bit uh, in my own time. So I kind of had a rough idea what to do, but knowing what to do and implementing what to do and yeah. emotionally detaching yourself from the process uh, are very, very different things. And and this empowered me to think, right, I, I'm, I'm rock bottom. My back's against the wall again, but right now I'm at rock bottom. So I don't know how to get out of this situation. So it's time to experiment, time to trial and error and and, and play with the stuff I do know. Mm. So I kind of uh, emotionally detached myself and just started to play around with different dieting techniques. What can I do? You know, I, okay, I can't, I can't run because my knees are fucked. I can't uh. Olympic lift or whatever. What can I do? And I mean, people after the transformation story, a lot of people are always asking, what diet did you do? Like every diet, mm. what, yeah. what diet works best? They all work. You know, it's uh. the one that you do works. The one that you do and that keeps you somewhat healthy mm -hmm. and keeps you able to carry on doing the thing that you do. So dieting and walking, walking was really like my, my thing because, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I find wa walking is like forced meditation because there's only yes. so much you can do whilst you're trying not to get hit by a car or trying not to walk <laughs> into someone. So it's kind of like that forced meditation and no one taught me about it. I, I didn't know about this at the time, but you know, the lymphatic system doesn't have a heart, it doesn't pump, it only moves when you move. So even though I'm not training hard, even though I'm not like breaking crazy sweats, I'm walking more various points throughout the day and my body is starting to starting to move and starting to get active. I'm starting to metabolize things and it's starting to work. And I went through years of trial and error on various diets and they all worked in different ways depending on which fitted with my life, um, yeah, my lifestyle at the time and i was lucky in that i had no social life i had no mm. nothing outside of work so i had this blank slate i had zero fomo i could mm. yeah. plan this thing out and right. i could stick to it and i'm very privileged and i'm very grateful to have been in that position because when you have nothing i think when when your back's against the wall there's only one way there's only one place you can go and i wasn't willing to give up completely I wasn't willing to give up, but it was either do the unspeakable or try the shit. And 
yeah, that was the See, only choice. I love the point when you said you emotionally detached from it. Because I think mm -hmm. so many of us, it's especially with addiction, it's like, well, no, I deserve it. Or I, you know what, I had a terrible day. I've earned this or this will make me feel you justify mm -hmm. everything when you emotionally mm -hmm. detach, take yourself out. Like, look, here's the plan, regardless of circumstances on how I feel I'm just doing this plan. And I think that's, that's a really, really good perspective when trying to change, right. When, when trying to enact something that is different. Mm -hmm. Um, but did you realize there was an addiction? Did you realize that there was, I mean, personally, or did you, have to hit, have your buddy say something to you or i mean <laughs> no i knew i knew that i knew i was i didn't like how i looked i didn't like how i felt more than how i looked right. you know, i didn't like that things were becoming more difficult i didn't like how i felt when i sit down and you can kind of feel all this stuff yeah you know? yeah the belts digging in the wrong places and this is not comfortable i'm gonna get know? real graphic here fellas yeah, well, yeah. yeah. it's that point when you, when you when you like sit down on the toilet and you're and you like look down and you're like Ugh. like the belly when it hangs over i thought you were like, saying you Ugh. can't see your dong that's what i thought you were saying you can see yours you can see yours when you sit down you guys get mad at me is that like normal us. you're supposed to be able to see it jeez that's what i deal with you, you know what I do. you know another technique that unknowingly or knowingly that you did that that's really brilliant is you started started slower than maybe you wanted to Meaning you just started walking as opposed to, you know, you would have mm -hmm. loved to go run or, or go do more intensity. Now, mm -hmm. I, I know your knee injuries or your knees didn't allow you, but I think, I think a lot of times, you know, we, we see this big goal and we want to attack too far too fast and bite off more than we can yeah. chew and then we end up giving up and yeah. quitting. So yeah. kudos to you, whether you knew that or not at the time, to start with the walking plan and the diet, start slow. And then you can build slowly yeah. on top of that. I think this is when the first or the second bitch slap kind of taught me that that lesson. Like I'd been through the the, the phases of training, getting injured, training, getting injured. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I'm not going to fix this in a month. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I need to be able to uh, exercise in a way which I can prolong, where which I get I get healthier, I get more able, mm -hmm. rather than gives me a, a physical transformation. And it, the more I think about it, even though it was so it was triggered by appearance and i wanted to like look better and feel better mm -hmm. my actual approach was more of how can i constantly improve what i'm able to do man that's and, that's so yeah. wise that's so wise because again anything we you said I, i'm not gonna be able to do this in a month but we tell ourselves that we tell ourselves we can accomplish it quickly and so we want to yeah, go all out for it because that's what you see that's what you see on social media and, yeah. and you know in the world people people don't talk about the, the the long slog i remember having conversations with journalists about the transformation story and they they would repeatedly ask me the same question to try and get another answer like how long did this take what diet did you do i'm like i can't tell you mm -hmm. what diet i did in one sentence how long did it take 10 years mm -hmm. you know <laughs> yeah, looking right. for like a six week a 12 week transformation <laughs> yeah. it's ongoing i'm not done yet i'm not right. finished right yeah because that's what you see on social media, like you said, right? You see the before and you see the after. Yeah. You don't you yeah. don't recognize the pain, the suffering, the sacrifice. That's that skinny line in between those two pictures, which is a majority mm -hmm. of it, right? So I I, I appreciate yeah. that. So I gotta ask. I gotta ask. What, what, 
Are you back to? Are you no, back I got to my ask. No, 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 I just want to ask. <laughs> like, I just want to ask. Like your friend. Like I'm gonna be your friend. That was sitting there, the one you wanted to say yeah. fuck you to, right? Because you did want to say fuck you. That's the word you wanted to say, right? When he said that to you, hey, you gotta lower your standards. <laughs> I think I did. You did, right? I you did. did. I know you did. I think I did. All right. So what was your go-to? Through that whole process, was it was it Twinkies? What was the? I just want to know. Oh no! I want to dumb it all the way down. What was it? No, it was it was like Chinese takeaway and Chinese like dirty takeaway. Domino's and dirty pizza, oh. not even good pizza. It was like dirty delivery. You know? Oh yeah. Like that kind of Singapore chow mein, greasy, oh. like slips right out of the tub. You know? Oh nice. That kind of like nasty <laughs> nasty food, but it hits the spot. Yeah. You know? But it's, mm-hmm. it's dark. It's dark. <laughs> it's, that, it's that comfort food. I get it. I get it. Yeah. 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 And it, it, it was, it was deliveries all the time, mm. which I don't know how I could afford to do that. So it was, I was gonna say, that's cheap a, deliveries yeah, all yeah. the time as well. Yeah. So, so you start making this body transformation, this health transformation, things start turning around with your, with your health and your mental well being. How's business going at this point? What, what's, what's the next steps there in business? The business, the business is going. Um, I had, so the previous company uh, got up to close to 100 employees, and I vowed I never wanted to run a company with that many employees again. Mm. Um, that's not my thing. So we kept it small, and I was running. So that was ticking along, doing okay. You know, finances are starting to improve. Um, my lifestyle aspirations were lower than they were uh. previously. Mm. So I was kind of living humbly and i was i was doing okay i was you know making making progress um and i had actually about some point in the middle of all of this i remember uh when i was earning well i was bored on a sunday and i thought i'm gonna go buy a guitar i'm gonna learn a guitar um and i never really did anything with it you know i'd play it teach myself play it once a week no no commitment and then about after i'd been dieting for a couple of years and lost a bit of weight. Uh, one of my old employees at one of the previous companies, we'd stay friends. He was, uh, he worked for me, but he was also a, a musician, a singer. Um, and we kind of bonded over that. And we met up years later and he's like, I really want to set up a, uh, I want to start a folk band. I was like, huh, well, I kind of play a little bit. This makes me feel uncomfortable thinking about, putting myself out there, but mm. you know, let's just meet up and, and play some music and see what happens. Mm. So he, he was already kind of on the circuit singing, um, in a, in a couple other bands, uh, in Cardiff, he was doing really well, amazing voice, great guy. And we just gelled and we, we got on really well. And we, uh, I remember going to our first open mic night and I've never felt nerves like that because I've never, I've done all this stuff and I've had this success and these failures mm. kind of in private. I've never really announced myself or put myself out there. And I've always been the, quite a, a, a shy, introverted guy with quiet confidence in my abilities, but not confident that other people can see my abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we started playing, had some really good feedback. We were just having fun. We are, we are having a laugh. We ended up, uh, <laughs> we, our first name of the band was junior Johnson's midnight moon after the moonshine company. Mm. 
and somehow we got a cease and desist from <laughs> the from Piedmont Distilleries in the states, from North Carolina. <laughs> somehow found us on the internet and sent us a cease and desist saying you cannot call yourself that. I'm like shit, what it what is it with me and right. um, really piss some people off somehow. I, I don't I don't mean to. Um, and then we changed our name to the Magic Rooster Brothers, and we were kind of doing this like folky covers mixed with a bit of soul and Grateful Dead type vibe. Mm-hmm. So like the psychedelic folk music. And it was at that point which I thought, I'm in a folk band. I've always wanted to grow a beard. But I thought, like, you can't have a big ginger beard. That's fucking ridiculous. You know, <laughs> thinking back decades ago. So I thought, now I'm in a folk band. I'm playing the guitar. I can have a beard. <laughs> and it looks like looks like I should. Um, so I grew the beard, carried on playing the music. We were having fun, doing the thing. We were playing all around the, the city, playing at a couple of little festivals. I, you know, we, I was never very good, but we, we enjoyed it. We had fun. And it was always uncomfortable for me playing live, but it was always, it felt good having done it. Yeah, after um, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was it was nice, but I I did always prefer the rehearsing. I preferred the making the music rather mm-hmm. than the performing, and that was our, our disparity. Right. So I, I started growing this beard, and then Instagram popped out of nowhere, and this was like 2012. I don't know, 2012, 2013, something like that. And this is more honest than I've been previously. I, I think. I was lying in bed looking at, on Instagram and seeing these people with like a big follower. I was like, why the fuck have they got a big following? Who are they? What do they do? I, like, they're not even doing anything. They have this massive following. And then I had this like little light bulb moment, like, ding. Huh, maybe I could have a big following for no reason and then use it to promote the music. <laughs> so it's like, shit, okay. And then I could use it to build this platform and, and develop the band and and you know pursue this not financially but pursue this life that was giving me fulfillment Mm -hmm. and making me happy and giving me forming these connections with people you know playing live music we did a lot of improv stuff you really connect with the people you're on stage with um the audience you really you you learn this kind of energetic transfer of energy yeah um so yeah, I started posting a couple of really, really cringy photos. <laughs> and it so happened that having a beard became this thing that was really cool in like 2014, 2015. Mm. But the good thing about having a beard is you can't just grow one overnight, right? Nah. And I already had one. <laughs> so it was like this ready-made person that fit this um, fit this, this image. And because I was doing a hashtagging thing, um, a couple of photographers reached out and they're like, I'd love to take your photo uh, for my portfolio or whatever. And that to me was like, oh, Christ, I don't want to do this. This makes me, the discomfort, I still feel it, the discomfort I, I felt like I do not want to have my photo taken. I do not want to put myself out there physically from everything I've been through, athletically overweight, um, being introverted, being like the shy guy, uh, you know, not having any relationship success, 
I didn't want to do it. And then I thought, as a really poignant thought, it's like the only reason for me not to do this is because of this discomfort I feel, mm -hmm. because I don't have the guts to do it. And that, if that's the only reason, there's a lot of valid reasons not to do shit. You know, mm -hmm. you can't do everything all the time. There's a lot of reasons. But if that's the only reason, that was not a valid reason to say no. So I did it. And then I started having this kind of portfolio of images build up. Mm -hmm. And really, it, it kind of it grew from there. I had a modeling agency in Germany they messaged me on Facebook, said one of their clients who's, um, I guess they're like a Macy's in um, like a big department store, high-end um, fashion department store in, in Northern Europe. They're, they're, they sent the agency a photo of me that they had found on um, Google somehow, probably um, Googling ginger beard. <laughs> there I found. And uh, the agent actually tracked me down, found me, and then sent me a message saying our client would love to book you uh, do you have any representation i was like no like, <laughs> you know i i'm 29 i'm pushing 30 at this point i've been fat I'm like modeling was just this bizarre weird world that was just opening up and i just kind of i had to walk through the door didn't i mm. because there was no reason not to do it right so that led to me getting signed, and then this kind of developed that side of the career, the start of the public personality-based media thing that's going on. How So how was that for you uh, emotionally? Because you were aware, you were at this point aware of, of your health from previous years, right? And, and I'm sure insecurities mm -hmm. with that. Then you go into this industry, you, you step into this industry that is 100% appearance-based, right? And it's yeah. all about how you look, what your body is, all of those things, yeah. right? How was that? Because in my perspective would be that, because, I mean, I'm sure you can tell I've been asked by a bunch of modeling agencies <laughs> to do a bunch of stuff for them. But, I'm sure uh, I've seen you before. But, I'm sure I've seen you before. Unfortunately, there just wasn't the right fit, so I just haven't done it yet. So, But anyways, long story. But I could see how you could overcompensate, right, and be obsessed with it. Obsessed with, I mean, mm. obviously the industry with eating disorders and, you know, the, other, the unhealthy on the other end of the spectrum from maybe what you dealt with. Um, how did well, you is, handle that or was that pressure alive or were you at a point where of, of health where I'm like, Hey, look, I am who I am. I think when I first got approached and when I was having these photos taken, I still wasn't in like uh, quintessential good shape. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I wasn't an underwear model. I didn't, you know, I'd still had a 36 inch waist and, and I hadn't trained upper body in like a long time. So I didn't have a great physique mm -hmm. as such. And I think that actually the fact that they had signed me and they had approached me, um, again, it's that emotional detachment. It's, and it's kind of, there's this thing with the ego that makes you think you know better mm. than somebody who actually is an expert. Mm. So what I would do, I'd look, and th these are photographers. This is a brand who wants to book me. What do I care what I think about myself? 
I don't know anything about this world. I've never been in this world. Mm. These are experts and they're choosing to book me. So I'm completely deferring my insecurities onto their expertise. And that I was like objectifying me, mm. <laughs> book me, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think deferring that fear or, or those insecurities to an expert understanding it would be egotistical of me to think I wasn't good enough when they were saying I was yeah. when they're the experts. Right. That's a great I'm not, Yeah. I'm not sure I've heard it explained that way before. Yeah. That's a great that, perspective. That's very wise. So, who am I to think I know better than someone who's been doing this for 20 years, who, yeah. who pays a lot of money for models, you know, who am I to say I'm not good enough? Yeah. Right. All right, I want to take a quick minute to talk about our partner, Choctaw Casino and Resort. Uh, we are really, really humbled uh, and grateful to be a partner for them. If you've listened to the show for any amount of time, uh, you've heard how great the resort is there, how great the casino is, the new expansion. They've doubled in size, 3,000 new slots. They've got unbelievable sports bar. They've got unbelievable restaurants, unbelievable movie theaters, arcades for kids. It is endless, the things that they've not only improved but added. Um, but it's just an, the, the experience that they provide is second to none. Choctaw Nation has done an incredible job with the community, with philanthropy, with support. Um, they have just done incredible things. So we are extremely humbled and grateful to partner with Choctaw Casino and Resort. Make sure, I know you know it, it's just a short drive of 75. Go check them out. And now back to the episode. Wow. Now, life insurance company still chugging along between music and modeling? Still chugging along. Yeah, I'm, I moved to I moved to London um, back in 2015. We, we split the band up, unfortunately, mm. um, when I moved away. Um, the life insurance company was at a point where I could work from home. So mm. I decided, like, I've lived in Cardiff for 30 years. I need to live. I need to move. You know, again, something's, I can't stay here forever. So I picked the easy choice, which was London. You know, everyone goes to London. It's the place where you go when you don't know where else to go. Yeah. Who, who was she? So who was I she? moved to London. Hey, no, who, was who was she? Who was she? Who was she? Come on. Yeah, she didn't Come exist on. at that point. But the, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a story. It's, yeah, it's well, let's, let us hear the story. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, that was yeah. That was good. Uh, good detective work. Yeah, so they, 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 there were many names, and they all gravitated towards London, right? Right. So <laughs> this is like I need to go somewhere where I can thrive, <laughs> and not from a career point of view. So I, I need, I need, I need to live a little bit. Uh, yeah. you, you deferred that for ten good years. Uh, you're yeah, due. yeah, shit. My, uh, I, I missed out on some. Well, I didn't miss out on anything. Yeah, it turns out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I misused my twenties, perhaps. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, we moved to London and I didn't actually move for media or modeling or anything. This kind of actually happened around about the time. It was just coincidental and it worked out really well. Mm. So I moved to London. Life insurance company was doing okay. It was good enough for me to work from home, which gave me that flexibility. Um, yeah, I got into the fashion and uh, the influencer marketing world was being born during this period. And I really pursued the social media thing because I was borrowing clothes from media PR companies who 
would lend me clothes in order to take more interesting photos from my modeling portfolio. Mm-hmm. So then they were like, well, can you wear this and we'll pay you a little bit? It's like, wait, so I can get money for like <laughs> wearing something and taking a photo Borrowing instead of stuff? talking about dying all day. <laughs> like, Shit. Yes, yeah, I can do that. Uh, and I was like, okay, there's something here. I'm going to push this. And then, yeah, I kind of worked on my relationships in, in that industry, made a lot of friends. was just, I think I was so grateful to be wearing clothes for a living and not talking about dying. I was uh-huh. probably the nicest person I'd ever worked with because I was just so grateful to uh-huh. to be in that position. And, and it was such a strange world for me. I was like, this is fucking awesome. I just right. get to stand around and, and modeling. It's like, tell me what to do. I don't have to think about this. Direct me. You know, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Yeah. Not like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it kind of, it grew from there. Uh, and at that point, it was mostly fashion stuff. It was mostly modeling uh, things. And that was through to just a few, I guess, a few few years pre, pre-COVID. Okay. Um, and as I think, I get restless. And, and it started it started grating on me. As that became normal, I had the... Um, I felt the undertone of the imagery was like the uh the subtitles of a picture is hey guys look at me don't i look good don't you want to look like me buy this thing and that was the the image that i felt like i was portraying and that i felt like other people who were doing the same thing as me were portraying and that started to make me feel a little bit uncomfortable because i don't want to be a role model based on a snapshot image of an act i'm putting on so when you wait a minute, so how did you realize that? Because at, at first, when you started doing it, it was more like you you're coming from this humble beginnings. Basically, it was, hey, I just want mm. I can't believe that I'm taking these pictures and people really you know you know want me to do this and I'm attractive or whatnot. Now it be, then it became, mm. all right, wait a minute, where where are we in this space? Like when did it happen to yeah. you where you started to really think about the effect you were having outwardly? It was more. I started getting, I guess, these insecurities, which I, I'm actually grateful that I have because I, I think they're more kind of realities. It started mm-hmm. grating at me. Like, I can't just keep taking photos of myself in the same place doing the same thing. So to make things a little bit more interesting, I would find a cool location. I would integrate these products or these clothes in a way, in a more editorial fashion. Um or circumstantial. So rather than just wearing the thing, it would be doing the thing mm. whilst I'm wearing, mm. wearing it. Right. Mm. You know, it would be kind of demonstrating a, a purpose that, spe- that spans beyond a, a perceived image, you know, it's right. like, okay, how can you use this, this thing? And that kind of made me feel a bit better. It's like, okay, this is a, this is a doable, this is a route. Um, you're not purely selling an appearance you're 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 selling uh what it can do yeah um well i was i was saying that's that's interesting i think there's another gold nugget there from your story man it's you don't like something about what you're doing 
So maybe I can't change the setting or what I'm doing, but I can change my approach to it. Mm. So instead of you yeah. saying, I'm just going to quit the industry, walk away altogether, because I'm thinking about a listener here who's maybe in a job that they don't love. What you did yeah. instead of just walking away, you said, no, what can I change about what I'm doing to make it more tolerable, mm-hmm. to make it more enjoyable, to make mm-hmm. it more fulfilling? And that's another mm-hmm. just gold nugget from your story, another wise moment for you to say, no, I'm not going to walk away. I'm just going to make, if I can't change the scenario, I'm going to change my approach to the scenario. Yeah. And to me, it sounds like the production led you like initially the production led you, like they were telling you what to wear, you know, where they wanted you to stand, where where the photo ops were going to be. And then you took control of, of your own destiny deciding, Hey, this is the, the, I want to be the influencer Mm. and do it my way. And I think that is, that's huge because you took it on under uh, under your own wings to to expand. Well, it's more authentic, right? Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's like, yeah. hey, I'm out doing yeah, something, and I'm out doing something. Maybe that you're finding that you enjoy. Maybe first it started as a hey, cool setting, but I actually okay, I actually enjoy doing this hike, or I, yeah. I enjoy going to this mm-hmm. this event, or I enjoy doing that. Like I'm actually enjoying this now. I'm just bringing you along the journey, right? And just mm-hmm. so happens I'm wearing some cool gear while while I'm doing it, yeah. as opposed uh, as opposed to the selfie the selfie approach, right? And it's like, hey, mm-hmm. look at me. Like, there's not really any value added, right? I know for me, yeah. I'm not a big social media guy, but the social media that I follow is of action and activity. Like, what are you mm-hmm. doing? Like, I want to follow the journey. I want to go to some place that I may not readily, you know, readily have available to me. So I'm going to join mm-hmm. you in your journey. And sounds like that's kind of the approach that you took. Yeah, and it's a process as well. Like the whole, even now, everything I do is an explorative kind of process. I, I'm, I'm, I've never, you know, we talked about the the before and after photos. I'm never gonna be the finished, mm-hmm. you know, the finished product. Life for me is about kind of exploring what we have, where we're at, yeah. and looking for opportunities without dropping the ball Uh on what I'm still doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, something might feel fine or might feel good for a period of time that might change over time. And that's, that's absolutely okay. That's, that's good. That shows growth. I I say, if you don't look back at old photos of yourself and cringe, like, (laughs) what was I doing? You haven't grown. Yeah. You know, you need, you need to look back at what you're doing and, and, yeah, and be kind of embarrassed, but not embarrassed. Yeah. So that's why I've never actually deleted any of my old photos on Instagram. I keep mm. it there because I, I, I like that it's not just this perfect like thing that's always I'm not I've not always done what I'm doing right now. There's yeah. a process to that and there's a like a constant refinement. Yeah. And I know I'll probably look back at what I'm doing now and um think, Oh wow, that paved the way to get me wherever I am yeah. in the future. And I think it's important to kind of nod your head and acknowledge where you were and everything that you've been through, Mm. all of the bad points, they contribute to where you are right now and they feel like there's no way out. It feels like you're at rock bottom. But those things that you're learning when you're at rock bottom are going to be the things that allow you to experience happiness so and contentedness when you're in when you're in this phase right like of of modeling and even more specifically to the point where you kind of 
started to control the influence that you had right on settings mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Were you yeah. in those times, were you able to look back at the rock bottoms at those valleys and say, dang, like I get to do this now. Like think of how far yeah. I've come and what I had to go through to get here. Like, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And there have been times where I've lost that, mm. but yeah, mm. I, absolutely. Like there's been so many moments. I, I, I have like the, the pinch me moments of how, how have I ended up in this position? Yeah. It, it blows my mind. I still don't know. I still can't, like I can talk you through what happened, but I can't really tell you how it happened. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of um, blind, blind, not even blind faith, because I never even thought to dream of this as an occupation. It didn't even cross my sorry little mind at that point yeah. that I would be doing this now. So it's not like a goal that I came to hit. It's, it's like every door that opens, opens many other doors, and it's learning to say yes to the things that scare you. Now now I have that feeling when I was first asked to model, had that like feeling of like fear, that feeling I've really kind of uh, assigned it and recognize it. And now when I get that feeling, I'm like, oh, something awesome is about to happen. You know, this is fucking great. Um, So yeah. That's a, that's a cool gift though, man. Honestly, I don't think any, I don't think a lot of people are able to recognize that like, Hey, this feeling of fear, like being able to recall in your past and say, Hey, look, I, Mm. I can, I can correlate this feeling to another pivotal, pivotal moment in my life in the past that turned out to be either very educational or you know, a, a great change in, you know, in the positive direction. Cause I, I think every, a, mo- a lot of people will just recognize it as fear and like, nah, I don't want to do it. It's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like don't want to do it. I hate discomfort, but mm-hmm. like being able to like even pull out the, like the difference between fear and then uncertainty. Right. And like, and the yeah. differences between those two, and being able to lean into the uncertainty, or being able to lean into the opportunity, knowing yeah. that there's an opportunity. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Yeah. No, when you when you feel that, there's usually an opportunity that you don't know yeah. what it is, but there's an opportunity there. That feeling for me is like a feeling of opportunity. Yeah. Um, and you you can you can practice that. You know, you don't have to do anything drastic. You just you know, there are many things that many people are scared of that have little to no consequences. And you can, you can develop that frame of reference from something completely irrelevant, Mm. but then use that frame of reference in any aspect of life. I like that. What what are some of your favorite ways to lean into discomfort? Like how do you challenge yourself in in smaller, more acute moments so that it can translate to a bigger moment? What are some of your favorite ways? I mean, it's, it's learning to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. And honestly, my physical journey is a constant. I hate training. <laughs> I do it because it enables me to do the things that I, I, I want to do, but I don't enjoy it. And I have to work on stuff that is really emotionally difficult because I struggle with some very basic things. And those are things that I got to do. Uh, so I'm constantly, every training session is like an emotional challenge uh, for me. Um, but 
it, I wouldn't be able to do the things that really bring me energy and happiness. Yeah. Is it would it not be for that? And it's just saying yes, saying yes to things. Like I, I, I fully believe that many people have many opportunities all of the time, but we're so blinkered. We're so, you know, life is fucking hard. Yeah. You know, people have serious shit yeah. to deal with. So yeah. they're not open to these opportunities. So it's yeah. about trying to like, I look at ourselves like a, like a glass of water, right? People are full up. They don't have the capacity tip something else in to try it out. So it's like, what can you do? What little thing? And I, I spoke to um, uh, myself and Ben Patrick, and he's a Toes guy, we're talking about this. It's like, what things can we do now to free up, to open up that bit of capacity that allows the thing that I don't even know exists uh-huh. to fit? Mm. And it's finding those little wins. Um, so it's not tackling the big problem. It's not tackling this these things head first or going in for like like a life-changing thing it's just like what can i do to to give myself a bit more either physical or mental space Mm -hmm. and if you have mental capacity you're able to do more physically if you're able to do more physically you can free up mental capacity and and i don't believe it's like one thing or the other it's like either or yeah Mm. you're not lying to yourself like i love the fact your your transparency is awesome because you know most people that are in that (laughs) in that space no seriously in, in that space that you're in are always yeah you gotta love the process and you gotta enjoy the workout bullshit no you don't <laughs> no, i mean there, there's so a reason it, Go yeah, ahead. have you guys heard of type type two fun no no, oh. no. so type two fun it's fun after the fact it's yeah. something that you fucking hate doing it scares right. the shit out of you you have a horrible time doing it all right but a week, a day later, a week later, you look back and uh, and you have the fondest memories yes. of doing that thing. And I was just talking to a friend earlier. Uh, we we were out for a, a walk, and there's something about the actually neurologically, which is something I'm I'm looking to study more ongoing. Is the effort needs to be proportional to the reward mm-hmm. in order for you to keep. Yes. Progressing mm-hmm. and, and either stay where you are or, or slowly move up. And that's like working on the dopaminergic pathways is if you get a massive reward from very little effort, that's going to start feeding into that addiction cycle. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and you're constantly topping it up and you're constantly chasing that thing. Whereas if the reward, if the effort, sorry, is proportional or even unproportional, but more effort than the reward, then you actually raise your baseline uh, level of dopamine and you become more motivated and, you, yeah. and you're able to do more things. And I've been very lucky to find this out anecdotally and then actually figure out what's going on after the fact. Uh-huh. But it puts it into perspective when you think it easy wins. And, uh-huh. and it makes sense why people enjoy these really difficult things like mountaineers and, and, and people going on crazy expeditions and you know athletes putting themselves through some crazy shit you know it it puts that into into perspective right. oh, i see awesome. i love that that's that's like right. me mowing the lawn it takes me like six hours to get through get through my yard 
And it, gosh, it's it's cool. Pepper it's cool there for about a day until it starts to grow again, and I got to do it all again the next week. I love it. I love it. Was that a flex? Was that a flex? How rich you are and how much land you have? Six hours. Good guys, because I cut my lawn with scissors. I cut it by hand with scissors, so that's why it takes me six hours. I'm a work harder, not smarter kind of guy, guys. Yeah, the discomfort conversation is interesting. Well, first of all, I would much rather do the world's hardest workout than have to do 200 cold calls. Yeah. Uh, that's just me personally. Yeah. And we're in a business uh, <laughs> that, that you're supposed to do 200 cold calls yeah. too. Yeah, the but, but the, the comfort thing is interesting because, you know, we're, we're wired to avoid discomfort, obviously. Mm-hmm. Even though yeah. we know what we're about to do is good for us. But for whatever yeah. reason, the knowing, the facts, are blotted out by the emotion of the discomfort. And so I know yeah. that training and working out is going to be good for me, but I don't want to do it because it yeah. sucks. And so I'll find any excuse yeah. to not do it. <laughs> Same thing in business, yeah. right? Uh, the cold yeah. calling is going to be good for me long term, but it's not good for me today. Right. So I don't want to do it today. Yeah. And it's uncomfortable today. Yeah. So it, so your point, it's, yeah. it's finding that re- immediate reward or immediate uh, uh, punishment, if you will, for an action that you're trying to take. That, the book Atomic Habits talks about this, and I'm sure you've read that book. Right. But, um, I haven't actually. It's been, okay, yeah. been on my list. For yeah, many check years, it out. It, it, yeah. I highly recommend because it, it talks about exactly what we're talking about here, which is it's right. like tricking. It's playing tricks on your mind to again either have an immediate reward or immediate punishment for the, mm-hmm. the short term actions that you're trying to change. You raise you raise the bar of things you find enjoyable mm-hmm. as well. Like if you if you raise that bar of discomfort, there are many things you previously would have found uncomfortable, but you can now. Yeah. take enjoyment and that tolerance mm-hmm. so sure. the, the more you do th- uncomfortable things you open your whole world up to these other things that you see like i see other people enjoy swimming it, it makes me i am terrible swimmer <laughs> but i see people enjoy it i'm like right okay so i've got to go through this period of um being shit at it and being uncomfortable and hating it in order to open the capacity mm. to be able to enjoy it because people do. It's cool. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sur- Surfing is one of those things. I don't know if you've ever, yeah. if you've surfed much, but it's one of those deals. I've tried, it, I have tried. Yeah. And it's <laughs> miserable. It beats the crap out of you until you can yeah. figure it out. Right. And it's until, until you yeah. learn, but I, I love that analogy, right? The raising, if you raise the bar, then there's just more yeah. enjoyment accessible because it's so like, yeah, getting beat up by waves or being exhausted mm-hmm. or getting drowned or whatever. But then if you raise that bar of like pain threshold and you take it up there, man, you do get to enjoy a whole lot more and, mm-hmm. and it opens up your just world to, I mean, just more joy. I love that. I mean, mm-hmm. Cam Haynes is one of those guys. Sounds like Cameron Haynes, a hunter um, based in the Pacific Northwest, you know, Joe Rogan guy, big, big, huge hunter. Yeah. And and he, like, works so hard all the time. And, like, his joy is packing out, like, a 300-pound elk head for, like, six miles up in the mountains in Oregon. Like, find so much joy in that. And, like, think about, like, yeah. how much of that journey he can. Whereas some people are like, ugh, I got to walk up these stairs. He's like, no, 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 <laughs> yeah. I'm going to carry 400 pounds on my back. Uh-huh. And, and after I shoot this animal from 10 feet with my bow. Right. Yeah. Anyways. For ten feet, that's point blank. Yes. Yeah. yeah. More more pain. Yeah. Right up on it. Yeah. yeah. More more pain, more pleasures. Darren's uh, motto in the in the bedroom. I think. More pain. Say, yeah. 
He's got he's got that he's got that secret door. What's your safe word, Darren? What's your safe word? I'm not telling you. I'm not gonna tell you. Because I'm never gonna use it. Well, that's an odd transition to uh, what, what you're doing today. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. that leads us up to present day. What are you up to? What's going on with you now? I know you're still doing the insurance, but but what else are you up to now? Uh, so I, I'm in full-time in university. So I'm, I've got one more year in my undergrad. Uh, so I enrolled um, hmm. actually pre, just before COVID happened, I enrolled in uni to study environmental science because another thing I was finding I was getting out into these amazing places, interacting with incredible wildlife, um, but I had very little context. So I was like, I want to know a bit more about what's going on here. So kind of thought, well, there's so many books to read. How do I choose what to read? I'll enroll in a degree. So I'm in uni. Uh, I'm now, I've found that I'm now working with BBC Earth, one of the, the biggest yeah. natural history uh, science um, platforms. Again, that was something I didn't plan for that to happen when I enrolled. I did the thing, and then these opportunities have come up. And now I'm finding myself, um, yeah, looking at how can I communicate science? How can I communicate uh, difficult things in a way which is digestible to people? How can I spark that mm that fire how can i ignite that fire in someone i'm not interested in tapping a million people on the shoulder and grabbing their you know their attention for a second mm -hmm. i want to like ignite the fire in a couple of people help people find that curiosity mm -hmm. that is now i feel like it's giving me youth i feel like a kid again i feel curious and interested and the more i'm learning the more i know that i don't know and i fucking love that that's awesome, awesome. Yeah. Um, so that's my journey now, um, and hopefully that's going to lead to some bigger productions and some more opportunities. Maybe I'll do a little bit of music again, um, just oh, pick up the harmonica yeah. again. Oh, nice. um, so I've incorporated that into a couple of things. It's still no good, but it's fun. Um, yeah, and find some stories and, and, and just inspire people to be curious and to realize there was so much more joy in not knowing than thinking you know everything. Right, yeah. Because I've, I've been there in my early 20s running those companies. I thought I knew everything. And then life came and slapped me in the face and said, no, you don't. Mm. And I'm so happy that I had that. And a lot of people don't have that luxury of, yeah. of being in those positions where they have everything yeah whipped exactly. away but still have the privilege to be able to pick themselves up you know i i, I want to take a nod to that that I, i've been very privileged in my positions throughout my life and i haven't been completely destitute at any right. time right yeah. I've, I've always managed to hold on and a lot of people don't have that luxury right and i love right. that honestly the number one tell for me of someone that is filled with wisdom are the people that admit that they don't know everything and they have a lot to learn and that they're not wise, right? That's the number one thing yeah. that, that for me, I'm, I'm drawn to like, all right, well, I want to learn more from this person just because if they admit like, Hey, I, there's so much that I don't know. Yeah. There's so much I still need yeah. to learn. Like those are the people that it's like, all right, I'm going to attach myself to you because <laughs> I can learn from you. So I, yeah. I, man, I, I love that. I love, I love your journey. 
really quickly though, um, in the beginning, you were talking about your surgeries, the three surgeries, yeah. and then looking back, and you're like, man, now knowing what I know now, I could have not had those surgeries. You mentioned Ben Patrick, who we've had on the show, mm-hmm. and, and we've implemented a lot of his stuff into our training regimen. Yeah. Um, just talk through kind of health because of how active you are. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. how you were then, you couldn't have, you can't be doing what you're doing now without having something in there. Um, and it doesn't sound like, surgeries were the answer yeah no so i mean i had biomechanical problems and that that resulted in they say if you have a non-impact injury that's the where you have the pain is the end point not the origin point Mm, of that problem so i was focused on that end point having surgery and unfortunately you know i lived 15 nearly 20 years with these problems which has then spiraled and escalated through the rest of my body so all of my training now is uh, a combination of bulletproofing the ability that I have and trying to explore strength and range and give myself more ability in the long run. I don't have the luxury of being able to uh, stick to a routine for any prolonged period of time. Mm-hmm. And I never know what I'm going to be asked or have the opportunity to do. So I've really got to um, knuckle down in those periods of time when I can and just it's, it's a combination of prehab, rehab, mm. um, mobility, strength stuff. I do a lot of bends. I'm still doing a lot of bends training, work with the sled all the time. Yep. Um, working into ranges because a lot of my uh, physical problems, I'm still unsure if I have actual physical problems or if it's like the body's, like, like the pain, the psychology of pain is, is a weird, crazy thing where mm. I might feel like my body's hurting but that might be like an echo like a memory a nervous yeah. system memory mm-hmm. of uh pain so i'm constantly exploring these uh movements and these positions and, and finding out this trial and error because some of them are real and some of them aren't so it's trial and error but ben's been great and and his philosophy of regressing to the point of something which you can do is just echoed through my whole process is right. Yeah. Okay. I can't do this. What can I do? Mm-hmm. And I think you can take that lesson without getting too philosophical. You can take that lesson into any aspect of life. You don't need right. to know the end, the steps eight, nine and 10. Right. What can you do now? Because you never know what those things will enable you to do afterwards. Yeah. Man, I love yeah. It. Yeah. Man I, unless y'all had, I got one more yeah. final question. Unless y'all had anything else I wanted to. Yeah, go let's go, let's go. I mean, just well, first of all, your story, man, it's, it's, it's inspired. There's a couple, like I said, golden nugget takeaways. I'm definitely gonna go back and listen. Yeah. Uh, just for more encouragement of just just your life lessons, man, and the, and the wisdom that you've you've had. That's awesome. So you're how old now again? At this point, how old are you? Thirty eight. Thirty eight. Okay. So yeah. you're still a young buck. You're not. You're not. You're not old like the the guy in the middle here. But you're a little <laughs> older than me. So you the look back goal. on your you look back on your 38 years, and would you or do you think that you've squeezed out and maximized everything that you can up to this point in your life? And if you have, if the answer to that is yes, how would you encourage others to do so and do the same? I've done, I've squeezed out what I had the capacity to do. Um, there are aspects that I want to explore that I want to Im- improve in myself. Um, as for inspiring people who, who want to make a change, it's, 
look for the small small wins and kind of be be kind to yourself and be patient but don't give up mm. like giving up is is not an option you know if you fall off the wagon get back on it and find find it's that positive affirmation find the thing that you can do mm-hmm. and acknowledge that you've done it yeah. and then move on to the next thing yeah small wins that's yeah. huge yeah. Yeah. that's small that's wins. Yeah. that is that is the recipe for consistency right you yeah. don't have these big landish you know goals that are you know so far away that you you know you mm-hmm. hit a small detour now it looks even further away now yeah. i'm done it's yeah. you sell, find the wins, like you said, even if it's regressing and then give yourself credit for doing what the regression was. Um, I, yeah, I, I think that that's gold right there. If, if anybody takes anything, there's a ton, like Ben said, there's a ton that man, we're, we're grateful that you shared, but, yeah. but honestly, like celebrate the wins because, um, yeah. it, because that is what is going to fuel that consistency. Yeah. Absolutely. But Man, we appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Thanks for thanks for yeah. staying up late. Um, Thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate the chat and being able to be open and and honest about the process. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, I we, really appreciate it, man. Yeah. Next time you're in the that. states, you're in Dallas, man. We'd love to love to meet up and. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. We'll make that happen for sure. Or so, I mean, if you just need like an extra on one of your excursions or something like that, dude. Darren, Darren's <laughs> a big uh, outdoorsman. Yeah, let's, so. let's do a live podcast. Oh, yeah. Side of some mountain. Let's, I love what it. What are you scared of? Let's do it. Yeah. Shit. There's a lot. <laughs> I'm not scared of anything. I'm, not, I'm good. I'm good. You don't I'm have time for my list. <laughs> Darren loves heights. He loves snakes. Yeah. <laughs> Gwilin, we appreciate awesome. it, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. Take right. care. Appreciate, appreciate you. It. See you.